0: Well, good morning. That was the tryptophan-induced good morning. Um, Apparently, some of those leftovers are carrying over. We'll try it again. Good morning. morning. There we go. Now you're awake. Now we can get going. Well, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, I missed being here with you all last week. Uh, We were with family celebrating Thanksgiving, and so hopefully you've had all the turkey and dressing, and I love the cranberries that come out shaped like a can. That's my favorite. And uh, I'll look forward to that again at Christmas. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. It's a wonderful season that sometimes gets overlooked because Christmas is so big and so popular. But Thanksgiving really sets the tone for us over the next couple of months. You know, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, we, uh, we have tables full of food, and so we celebrate those physical blessings that God has granted us. And at Christmas, we celebrate the spiritual gift of Jesus Christ and Him coming to this earth to be a sacrifice for us. And then as we finish out and begin a new year, we celebrate the gift of being able to start fresh. And so don't overlook Thanksgiving. It's not just pecan pie and turkey and all those other things. It's the beginning of a season of thankfulness for what God has done for us. And so I hope you got to celebrate that around a table with friends and family this last week. Well, we've been talking about the book of James for many, many weeks. And I know what you're thinking, finally James gets to talk about James. I've wanted to say that for the last six weeks, I'm just that corny. Um, Charlie has done an excellent job walking us through the book of James, uh, looking at it through the lens of looking into a mirror, and really taking a moment to see uh, what what the book of James is saying to us. And so, I don't know about you, but I've been challenged by different things. One thing that's really challenged me was from chapter three, where James talks about taming the tongue. How quickly we can say something and it gets taken the wrong way, or we say something and it doesn't come out the way we intended it to, or we say something and it does come out the way that we intended it to, and it's just not good. And so, for me, it's been a challenge to, to look in the mirror and say, okay. I've got some work to do here in this area. And so I don't know what it's been for you, but hopefully you've found that challenge and risen to it over these last several weeks. Well, this morning we're going to be in James chapter 5. You can turn there if you'd like. But before uh, we read this passage, I want to tell you two different stories from my life that will kind of hopefully set the tension for this morning. Uh, About 10 years ago, my grandfather uh, contracted cancer. Uh, It started, I don't remember where it started, but it went everywhere. And in his bones, uh, everything. And so uh, he fought that battle. We prayed hard. Uh, We asked the the leaders of the church, we asked all the church to join us in praying for my papa. Uh, Not long after uh, he was put on hospice. And uh, not long after that passed away. We continued to pray throughout the whole process, and yet he just continually got worse. The second story is quite a bit different and not on the same level, so bear with me, but I remember we had been here only a few months, and Mallory was little when we moved here. She was about 18 months old. And uh, as you know, anybody that's had children, you know that when they're two, three, four years old, they're just a walking petri dish, and they they get every sickness that pops up. And so Mallory had gotten sick, no big surprise there, but this sickness kind of kept on and kept on and kept on, and the fever was still there. And we had taken her to the doctor, and it just, it was a virus that was going to have to run its course. I remember calling Tammy Smith and asking for help late one night, and she was gracious. And I remember... Holding Mallory in front of her crib and trying to help her go to sleep. Just wanting her little body to to do the work it could do while she was resting. And I remember holding her, and I remember the feeling of the heat off her body. Have you ever been there, parents? I remember just feeling it, and she was radiating. And I just closed my eyes. And I said, Lord, I know you are the great healer and i know you have the power to take this away and so i ask in the name of jesus will you please take this sickness from my daughter and i've never had anything happen like this before or since but i said amen to that prayer and immediately felt her start to sweat and about a minute later she was cool to the touch now i i don't know how all this works I don't know how we pray for people and sometimes healing does not come. And I don't know how other times we pray for people and healing does come. But I think that's the tension that we live in in our world today. And so that's where we find ourselves in James chapter 5. And so if you haven't turned there already, go ahead and turn there. I want us to read just four verses here from, excuse me, uh, four verses, yes, here from the end of chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You can see the tension that we're living in. Before we kind of dive into that tension, though, I want us to look at this first part of the passage because I think it's interesting and I think it really sets the stage for where we need to go as the people of God living in this tension. He starts off by saying, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. I don't know about you, but times in my life where I've been in trouble, whether with parents or at school or wherever else, um, most of the time when we are in those situations, The first thought is, uh uh-oh. And then the second thought is, I better pray about this. I better pray about this. When we're in trouble, it's a natural reaction. Who will we turn to? Of course we will turn to God. Of course we will turn to the maker of heaven and earth. Of course we will turn to the one with all the power to do anything and everything to make this situation resolve itself. Why wouldn't we? And so James says, is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. I think we're good on that one. I think we understand that, that point, that, that uh, way of thinking. And so uh, as he starts this off, he says something pretty obvious to us. But the second thing he says is, is any one of you what? You guys aren't listening, so let me read it again. Do we need to, is anyone happy? Okay, so he starts off by saying, is any of you in trouble? Let him pray. Is any of you happy? And then he says to do something that we normally don't do. Let them sing songs of praise. Most of us don't live in a musical, and so we don't just sing songs whenever things happen to us. Um, if your life is a musical, then congratulations. What a wonderful thing to live in. But the most, of, most of us, when we're happy, we don't just start singing a song. We don't have something great happen, and we go, For all that you've done, I will thank you. Although that wouldn't be a bad thing to do, would it? I think when we're in trouble, the thought for prayer comes rather quickly. But when we're happy, the thought for prayer or praise doesn't really follow. You see, there's this weird thing where we feel that happiness and we think that we had something to do with it. And so we don't feel the need to thank God for those types of things. You with me this morning? And so when we're in trouble we know we're in over our head and it's something we can't control and something we can't do anything about and so we turn to the one who we can trust. But when we're happy, we don't just burst into song knowing that God has done something great for us, do we? And so you have these extremes here that James starts out with. Is anybody in trouble? Well, you know what to do. Is anybody happy? Well, that one's a little bit harder. And then the third thing that he says is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now this is something we still practice here at Brentwood Oaks. We encourage you, if you are in a time of trial or in a time of sickness, call our elders to pray over you. They will anoint you with oil. We, we believe in this as a biblical practice. A- and so uh, this is something that we continue on in. But now he's moved a little bit further, right? Is anyone trouble? Well, yeah, we know that. Is anybody happy? Yeah, we need to do a better job on that. Is any one of you sick? Then it starts talking about bringing other people into the situation. Now, the elders aren't the one who brings healing in this situation. Look at what he says in verse 15. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, the Lord Will raise them up. The Lord is at work in that moment. But we've got these three different situations going on. And all of them have something in common. And that is that we are not in control. Now, if you're in trouble, most of the time you've probably contributed to that. Most of the time. Some of y'all smiled really bigly. Bigly? Big? When I said that? Hey, turkey, apologize. Um, If you're in trouble, most of the time you contributed to that in some way, shape, or form, but in order to remove yourself from that, some help would be appreciated and most of the time necessary. If you're happy, maybe you did something, but maybe the joy of the Lord is our strength and, and our hope and our happiness and our joy comes from God and when we're sick we will do anything and everything in order to get well because it's out of our control I've always read the these this passage and I've had a hard time with it because I've read it and it sounds like if I do these things then this will happen And I don't think that James is giving us the magic formula. I don't think he's giving us the silver bullet here to eradicate all sickness on the planet or else it would have happened by now. But I think instead of giving us a formula, I think he's asking us to really think about who it is that we depend on. And that's not an easy thing to do. There is no magic formula. You can't work the system. God is God, and we are not, and we're called to yield to Him, even if it means that we aren't going to get what we want. And that's a hard place to live. I read a lot of stuff thinking about this this week, and I I read two things I want to share with you. One said, In prayer we must not look to the merit of man, but to the grace of God. What a powerful thing to think, that we don't think about what we are doing in this situation, but about what God is doing in the situation. The other thing was talking about the prayer of faith, or the prayer offered in faith. And the man said this, he said, It is not said that the particular form of the faith exercised shall be that the sick man will certainly recover, but there is to be unwavering confidence in God a belief that he will do what is best, and a cheerful committing of the cause into his hands. We express our earnest wish and leave the case with him. Now there's a lot of different personality tests that have been around for a long time. Myers-Briggs and now the Enneagram. Anybody seen Enneagram and done all that? Me and like three people? Cool. So... Um, it's a lot of numbers, um, so you're a number, and you're not supposed to take a test, but they give you tests. I don't understand this whole thing, but uh, as we were driving on the road um, on our way to visit family, Ashley started reading these questions so I could take the Enneagram test, and I figured out that I'm a two with a wing of a three. I don't know what this means, but what it means personality-wise is I'm someone who's a fixer. Maybe some of you are in the same boat. I'm a fixer, I wanna be helpful and I wanna be useful. I wanna be someone that people can turn to or that they can count on. I like to be someone who can solve a problem. I really didn't need a test to tell me that, but um, I know this is both a good thing and a bad thing in myself. It's a good thing because I, I feel like I'm a pretty helpful person and a pretty useful person. But at the same time, when I believe that I'm the one that can fix things, especially in these arenas. And I look at this situation as, well, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Okay, so if I'm more righteous, I can do this. I can do this. The prayer in faith will make the sick person, I can do this. I've gone from being someone who's helpful to someone who believes they have the power in the situation. And that is not the case. My call here in this, passage, in this passage, as James outlines it, is to be someone who continues to lift up unwavering confidence in God, a belief that he will do what is best, and a cheerful committing of the cause into his hands. It means, I am not in control. And I don't like to be there. And I'm sure a lot of you don't either. I want there to be a magic formula. I want there to be a do this and you get this. But that's not the world that we live in. And that's not how things happen. Prayer has more to do with us placing our trust in God than us getting what we want. And for some people, if you start thinking down that path, they go, well, then what good is prayer, James? If I'm not able to ask God for something and God not give it to me, then what what good is prayer? I believe that that makes prayer even more important. Because it means that as we pray, we continue to seek the heart of God. The more time we spend with Him, the more we will begin to think like Him and to have His heart. About a month ago, I went into Roger's office and I said, "Hey, I'd like to sit down with you once a week, twenty minutes, thirty minutes." Um, I, I realized that Roger has been here in not even counting the time in Guatemala, but here in Austin at this church longer than I've been alive. So he might know something that I don't about ministry or preaching or communication. The technology, I totally win still, but <laughs> all the, everything else, I've got some stuff to learn. And so sometimes our conversations have, have been fun, sometimes they've not <laughs> been as fun, sometimes they've been very informative, sometimes um, we get to have lively discussions as we both are a little bit passionate sometimes. But my hope in doing that Is that the more time I spend with Roger, the more it helps me be a better minister and preacher of God's word. Because maybe he knows something that I don't. Just maybe. And I think with us, when we think about prayer, we long for it to be, if I just do this, then God will do this. But we're not the ones pulling the strings here. No, God is. And so that means that we have to be the people of God who long to be like him and who long to have his heart, our heart, be like his heart. That the things that he wants become the things that we want. And being a fixer and being someone who longs for control, that means i got to change. Maybe that's why he continues and says in verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Well, if giving up control and depending on God is that difficult, how much more so is it for us to depend on one another? With God, I know his power, and I've seen it at work, and so I believe. But me trusting you? That's a whole other thing. Last time I checked, you're not perfect, and, well, if I'm looking into a mirror, neither am I. It's hard for me to trust sometimes to confess. Confession is not something that comes easily for us because... We don't want to admit that we're wrong and that we're the ones that need fixing. But God says through James, confess and pray. Lift one another up, support one another. In our times of trouble, in our times of happiness, in our times of sickness, We lift up to God these prayers knowing that he has the power but trusting him to do what it is that he will do. Maybe it's also something where we need to depend on one another a little bit as well. That we see that God has given us the church as a wonderful blessing to be able to help in those times. And so today as we kind of wrap up our time in James I want us to think a little bit about confession. Do you have somebody that you can talk to? Do you have someone you confide in that you tell and confess your sins and ask them to pray for you? Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a leader. Do you confess? I got to confess that I don't confess near enough. I like to try to do it myself. And so today, on your order of worship there, it says prayer of confession. And so I want us to just, before we wrap up our time in the Word together today, I want us to offer up a prayer together, offering up a confession to God. I'm going to start the prayer, and I'm going to leave a little bit of time here for us to silently raise those confessions to God. But I also want to challenge you as well today Not just to make those confessions to God, but also to share those with a brother or sister in Christ. That they can support you and pray with you. One of the great blessings of the church is that we are family. And that God has given us that. So if you will now, join me in prayer. And uh, I'll leave that time and we'll confess together. Our Heavenly Father, we are so very, very thankful for the physical blessings that you've given us. We especially remember those at this time of year. And Father, we thank you so very much for the gift of Jesus. What an incredible, overwhelming gift. Thank you for reconciling us through Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to start fresh and new at the beginning of a year. But God, we are so very thankful that we can come to you and that we can confess our sins to you knowing that you will bring forgiveness and mercy and so right now we silently offer up these confessions to you and Lord as we lift those confessions to you we thank you for the gift of the church we thank you for what a blessing it is to all of us this place, this group of people, this family. And we thank you that we can depend on one another. Sometimes we laugh together, sometimes we cry. Lord, we pray that you will help us to confess to one another and pray for one another. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for your forgiveness and for your grace and for your mercy. We lift these things up to you this morning in the name of Jesus and together we say, Amen. If you've been holding on to control for too long, if you've been dependent on yourself to be the one who figures things out, if you're needing to be more and more dependent on Christ, if you're looking to be a part of a family where you can confess and lean on one another and depend on one another. If you're looking to be baptized into Christ and begin a new life fresh and clean, if any of those things or anything else that we can help you with this morning, we ask that you would come as we stand and as we sing this song.